Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast presented by the Riley Decker Companies. Please do us a favor and help us change and improve lives by subscribing and giving us a rating on the platform of your choice. Thank you. We want to welcome Gary Miracle to the Underdog Podcast. Welcome, Gary. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and uh, really, really a blessing to have you on this morning. Um, I think there's no better point of entry into this podcast than your last name, Miracle. Um, <laughs> when I think of a miracle, I would say, say the least, uh, flatlining or being dead for eight minutes or so uh, and coming back to life and be talking to you today is a miracle. Um, and so it's amazing, you know, talking to Gary Miracle, someone that has went through a lot of adversity in your life and you're persevering and you're pushing through incredible story. Look forward to getting into that. So, uh, once again, Gary, uh, it's a miracle to talk to you this morning and, and glad to have you. Right on, man. I, a lot of people think that that's my amputee stage name, Miracle. <laughs> they don't, uh, they don't believe me that it's my real God-given birth name. I, I'll raise my hand, those that will be watching on video. I was like, is this just his... I honestly, I was like, after I read the story, I'm like, is this is this his real name? So, okay, it is your real name. <laughs> that is my real name. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, that's um, incredible. So, can you take us back to, you know, 2019 and um, yeah. you were kind of, I guess, a little bit like me. I think we're similar ages and... Uh, have kids and you're living in, you know, a quote unquote normal life and uh, some things happen. Yeah, that's it. We were, we were living the, I mean, I guess you'd kind of call it your quote unquote all American life. I mean, I'd stay at home mom, you know, I, I was working full time and involved in sports, soccer, football with the kids growing up, adopted a daughter, heavily involved in church. I mean, we, we were, we were doing it and it was great. Um, and then Christmas 2019 came around and I got sick. Uh, it was, it was flu season in the area. Uh, I think a lot of people had the flu, but I was just, I was just feeling crappy. And, uh, you know, my family told me I had the man flu. They just made fun of me because I was complaining so much laying in bed, moaning and groaning. Um, little did they know I was about to die. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was getting sick and, and, you know, through a series of events from, from December 26th, uh, 2019 until New Year's Eve. So what, five days, um, the sickness just progressed so much so that, um, it was 11 PM on New Year's Eve, 2019. Uh, I just started falling into septic shock, um, developed a pretty intense, uh, blood infection and spread extremely rapid and falling into septic shock and and again it was one hour before the old happy new year uh so i got a uh, i got a one hour head start on everybody's crappy lives for 2020 uh, so <laughs> I, I beat everybody to the punch there oh man yeah so you're i mean it just it seems to happen i listened to a few other podcasts in preparation but it seems just to escalate so fast right and they think it's with your kidneys and different things and yeah. you're trying to figure out what's going on. And like I said, you're just kind of the normal dad guy get sick. Like you said, everyone's giving you a hard time. Little, you know, you have a lot of stuff going on inside of you. 
Um, and then, then you get to that moment, right. Where you, you, you die, um, and, and you're brought back to life. Can you kind of, I know you were in and out of consciousness. You don't remember a whole lot, but can you kind of walk our listeners through that experience? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I started falling into septic shock around 11 PM on new year's Eve. Um, we had family and friends uh, all gathered around the hospital bed to say goodbye to me because the hospital, they were at the end of their rope. They didn't know what to do outside of call everybody in to say their goodbyes. And uh, one family member while they were driving in felt like she heard from the Lord saying that uh, I needed to be at a hospital that had an ECMO machine. None of us knew what that was, uh, but started researching that and found at that time, there were only seven hospitals in the entire state of Florida that had an ECMO machine. Uh, one happened to be in Orlando, Florida, which was about an hour away from me. So they initiated the transfer and I was airlifted from where I was to Orlando. Arrived there around two or 3 a.m. on January 1st now, 2020. Um, and it uh, was, was instantly told that I was not a candidate for the ECMO machine. Uh, so that was confusing. Didn't really know why all of that had to happen. Uh, but they hooked me up to all the machines, told me I was still minute by minute. They didn't know what to do for me and they just let it roll. And, uh, 7 a.m. comes around and that was shift change time in the hospital. So a whole slew of new nurses and doctors were clocking in for the day and they were doing their rounds right when I coded. And, uh, you know, they heard the long beeps. They started doing the code blue announcements all over the, the speakers, all the everybody came running in. They said it was just like out in the movies. My whole body started turning blue. Um, this little 70 pound nurse soaking wet jumps on top of me and just starts King Konging my chest to, you know, see if she can get anything going again. They escort my family out of the room and, and I died for just under eight minutes. Uh, I was about seven minutes and 40 something seconds, something like that. I was, I was laying on the, the hospital bed, just lifeless. Um, nobody really knew what to expect or what to do or anything. Family and friends were all waiting out in the, in the waiting room. Doctors finally came out about 15 minutes later and told them that they found a slight pulse um, inside of me and they didn't know what to do. I was back to being minute by minute, uh, but they were going to throw up a Hail Mary and put me on something called the ECMO machine. So that was a really like full circle moment for us that, that the new cardiac surgeon that just clocked in 20 minutes prior to me coding decided to put me on the ECMO machine when we were told all along I wasn't a candidate, which is the whole reason we were at the hospital. So that was just a really cool moment to kind of see God bring that all together. And uh, they rushed me back into that surgery. I was in it for five to six hours while they put me on the ECMO machine. And uh, ECMO is just life support. It's a form of life support that people are put on. And um, long story short, the way that it works is it takes all of the blood and oxygen and circulation from your extremities to pump it all into your core to keep your organs strong and keep your organs running. Uh, most people who are on that machine are on it for a day or two. And I happened to be on it for 10 days while I was in the coma. <clears throat> um, so for 10 days, my arms and legs were not getting any blood oxygen or circulation, but it kept my organs running. It kept my core going. So I'm alive, but I woke up from my coma on January 10th and started learning that I was going to lose both of my arms and both of my legs. Yeah. And, and that's a 
glad to be alive, but that's obviously some challenges that you learn there. And, and then now take us through that process once that happens. Um, and then you go through those procedures, kind of walk us through that. Yeah, that was a very tricky time for me because I was I was kind of in and out. I was loaded up on so much medication and I, I was kind of understanding what was going on, wasn't really wrapping my mind around it fully. Um, I just remember uh, when I did finally come to and understand it, grasp the, the gravity of my situation. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up in the church and, and I'm, I promise you, I am not some super awesome Christian by any means. But, you know, my first thought that I had was, was the verse in the book of Job chapter one, verse 21, that says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Um, and, and I've gone my entire life, you know, and the Lord giving me everything I could have ever wanted or needed. And I just come to the realization that right now in my life, it's just taking away time. Um, so the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but by the grace of God, that verse doesn't end there because then it goes on to say, but blessed be the name of the Lord. So whether he gives or whether he takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And, and you know, that's just the stance that I, I chose to take right now. That It's just time for him to take away. And this is just a blip in my story. And let's figure out how to do life from here. So they took both hands. They took both legs. And, you know, there was a line drawn in the sand for me right then and there. Like, what am I going to do now? You know, uh, am I going to sit on the couch and throw a pity party and cry and get addicted to pain pills all my life? Or am I going to fight like crazy and and figure this out and, and do life? Um, yeah. And that's what I chose to do. You know, I, I got four kids. You know, I, I didn't have time to sit back and watch life go by. Yeah. And, and you there's three words here. Say I won't. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, those are th- three words that I saw um, that obviously have driven you and there's, I think it goes back to, at least from, from my perception and want to hear from you, but as you know, almost say, I won't live right. They're saying, you're not going to live. Say, I won't walk, say, I won't run, say, I won't, whatever. You kind of have that chip on your shoulder. Can you go through those, those three words? Say, I won't. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, in a non-confrontational way, proven somebody wrong. Um, you know, I, it was, it was just more of that thing where it started very personal for me. Um, I remember when I got out of the hospital, I would, I would, <clears throat> I would choose one thing a day that I would practice, um, at home and I wouldn't give up and I wouldn't move to the next thing until I figured this one out. I remember the very first one that I tried to do was simply plugging my, my cell phone in to charge at night. Um, it was, it was awful. It, the first time it took me three hours, you know, something that used to take me five seconds, two seconds that we all do on a daily basis. When our phone's dying, we go plug it in. We just pick up the cable and plug it in. You don't even think about it. it took me three hours to do it the first time. And now I'm down to five, 10 seconds again, which is great. But, but that's the, that's the mindset. Like, and I was sitting in my bedroom next to my bed, my bedside table. And I was literally dripping sweat. I was so frustrated. And all I was trying to do was plug my cell phone in to, to charge it. Uh, but it just kept playing in my mind, like, man, I'm doing, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Say I won't do it. Say I won't. I'm not going to move on. I'm not going to give up. And, and I did it three hours later. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, and, and you, and you hear 
I have you quoted here. I had to relearn how to brush my teeth. Like you said, plug in a phone, how to take a shower, how to use a restroom, how to eat with a fork, how to eat with my stumps because I don't have arms right now. And that, those are all things that I would say I take for granted, you know, just thinking it's just normal. And you probably did it before yeah. all this happened to you is like, you know, picking up and drinking this cup of coffee. I, I'm not even thinking about it, but you're saying it could take days and months just to learn how to obviously get back to being able to be independent and doing what would be a small in a normal person's per se, or, or doesn't have any, um, physical disabilities. Now you have this ability. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine. So how long did it take you to gain other things? What were some other big, big milestones in that endeavor? Yeah. So the, the couple, two, three things around the house is plugging my phone in. Um, and then I, I had, I was trying to be a good dad and husband. So, I'm like, okay, well, let me try to do laundry and load the dishwasher. And then I'm like, well, crap. If they see me do this, they're going to expect me to do it. So I didn't. Yeah, yeah. The uh, <laughs> That's too funny. So I got uh, I got two boys and a girl. Uh, I have three. I know you have four. Um, yeah, what, what's it like with fatherhood after, after all this happened? Um, you know, how did the, the kids adjust, you know, family and so forth? You know, it's, it's unbelievable the way that my four kids have turned a blind eye to all of this. Like it's, it's pretty baffling to me, um, how they don't look at it. They don't see it. They don't talk about it. Um, so much so that they don't even like, they don't even bat an eye. Like if I have to go to their school for something or, or out at the, you know, soccer field or football field like they're incredible and I'm, and I'm back to coaching again and you know I had the opportunity to coach all last year from my wheelchair and even the kids that I was coaching didn't care I mean it it's it's pretty crazy you know I think adults care a little more you know the adults you know walking through the store are the ones that are trying not to stare at me and trying not to say anything and pulling their kids closer and telling their kids not to look or stare but you know, kids just look at me and they either don't care or they ask a quick question and we move on. And, you know, I, I absolutely love it. So I, I beg people, you know, and now they get to grow up seeing what something like this looks like. And now it's not a shock. And now they're not going to be that adult necessarily that's trying not to stare or, or pulling their kids tight because it's they've seen this growing up. So it's not weird. You know, I don't know if that makes sense or not. But. No. Yeah, I think um, it, what what would you say? Cause I saw all of your coaching things and, and awesome to see you helping develop, you know, young people in this world. We need great coaches. What are some, what I call knowledge nuggets or transferable things that you learned in your life through obviously these adversities that you translate into coaching? Do you leverage a lot of that and, and kind of talk about the things that have happened to you and how to persevere, like how you had to relearn things, how you had to, you know, work your tail off just to do the, the very, you know, fundamental things of life. Do you, do you talk about that with kids or, you know, what, what are some, or is that more with adults, you know? Yeah, that's right now. That's a little more with adults on a serious level. I have a ton of fun with the kids. Um, you know, I, in, in both my soccer teams and I coach three soccer teams and, and three flag football teams. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't have like super serious conversations with them. I would give them the freedom to do or say whatever they wanted to me. Um, but you know, they, they didn't really care. And my big, uh, my big, 
I guess, quote unquote, like have fun thing with them is, you know, we had this phrase, no feet, no excuses. That was kind of our, our, our theme for our teams. And you couldn't complain about anything because, you know, I have no feet and I have no excuses. I still got to be out there too. So let's, uh, let's do this. So, you know, little, little taglines, little hashtags, little fun nuggets that, that I am able to drop with the kids, just get them thinking. And I, and I hear from parents often, you know, Hey, my, my son, you know, was encouraging someone and he told him no feet, no excuses. And that just means so much to me that, that these kids are, are letting that, that sink in and, and it, you know, they think about it outside of practice, which is pretty cool for me to hear. Yeah, no, that's great. Now transitioning a little bit, um, I want to go is really interesting um, from an outsiders, the, the, the Mercy Me, the music group. Can you kind of walk me through that whole, um, you know, that whole, I guess, your engagement with them and things that have happened over the time uh, to up to recent? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I had the opportunity to, to work for those guys uh, back in early 2000 when they were kind of nobody. Um, they're pretty big now. I got a fairly good sized name behind them, but, uh, you know, I got to work for them and, and just through that season of me, me traveling and being on the road with them, uh, we just became super close friends. You know, a couple of them were in my wedding, staying at my wedding. You know, it was just great guys. We've just been a part of each other's lives forever. You know, one of them I, I talked to on a weekly basis pretty much. Um, but they were they were a part of this journey from day one. You know, I think I think they were the first the first people to make a make a post outside of my family about my story and my situation early in January of 2020. Um, they came to the hospital to see me check on me and, uh, you know, were a huge part in fundraising efforts for me to be able to provide for my family while I was in the hospital and sick and stuff. And then <clears throat> uh, last October, it was a couple months after I was home from the hospital, I was already discharged and home and, and the lead singer, Mercy Me gave me a call and an answer. And we were talking for a minute. He's like, Hey, we, we wrote this song. We're going to put it on our new album. We, you know, would like you to listen to it and see if you like it. So he sent it to me and I loved it. I had no idea. I was crying. It was a very moving song. I called him back and I was like, man, that's cool. He's like, did you, did you pick up on anything through that? And, and it was just the long story short, um, the song was written just based on this situation and uh, it's called say, I won't. Um, oddly enough, which is why I was able to rally behind that phrase pretty easily. But uh, the first verse of that song is pretty personal, intimate um, sentences, words that, you know, me and the lead singer were sharing with each other years ago uh, when I was going through what I kind of call an identity crisis with who I am in Christ. And um, he kind of walked through that journey with me and and he wrote the first verse of Say I Won't based on that. And then the second verse of Say I Won't is based on everybody's Facebook posts that they were posting about me while I was in the hospital. Um, along with the, the chorus and the bridge and everything, with just, just that anthem, just that proclamation of, of Say I Won't and I'll prove you wrong and I'm going to do it. And uh, with some really amazing people in the video, uh, Pat Riley, Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, just some, some really great influential people that wanted to be a part of this project with us and it was quite amazing to see and just crossed one year since it went live it's got a little over four and a half million views uh, on youtube and and it's kind of launched a, a a small career for me and traveling and speaking and, and doing things like this with with you and now i'm just so blessed and humbled and honored and i give the guys a hard time every time i see them that it took 20 years and cost me an arm and a leg, but they finally wrote a song about me. 
<laughs> oh shoot. I think that's a perfect transition. Thank you for, uh, man, you're a professional at this. So transitioning to how that kind of, like you said, launched this new phase. So you obviously pivoted in your career, um, through this adversity and, and, and now kind of walk us through, as you had mentioned, you're doing a lot of speaking, um, doing a lot of different things from a business perspective or a career perspective. Can you kind of walk through that? Yeah. Um, you know, this, this kind of launched a, a platform for me, a, a national platform of, you know, people just reaching out to me on a daily basis from all over the world, really, and, and kind of sharing their story with me or thanking me, you know, for sharing my story. Um, and through that, I just, I, you know, my, my email started blowing up a little bit of, of other churches and, and high schools and corporate events that were just reaching out, asking if I'd come in and share my story with them. Uh, it's been so incredible to be able to know that, you know, from the day this happened to me and I've just been praying for purpose through it all. And, you know, I, I told God that until I figured out why he allowed this to happen to me, I was just going to try to be faithful and, and walk through any door that he opened for me. And, you know, the, those doors keep opening um, every week. So, so I launched my, my own business. It's called Gary Miracle Speaks. Um, pretty literal. <laughs> you know, that's what I do. Uh, so I'm able to travel around right now and, and share my story and share grace and the gospel and freedom with, with people who, you know, are going through what they think is, you know, a life altering situation in their life. And I'm able to, you know, speak some truth and hope and encouragement into them based on what I went through. So it's an incredible platform. I, I, I literally can't believe what I get to do right now with my life these days through this circumstance. And I'm just incredibly thankful. Yeah. And I think what I've seen, you're, you're, you're open and vulnerable. Like you said, you talked about identity crisis with, with faith and you go through there. I think, you know, you're having some, I saw online, some, some relation things you had posted, maybe some relationship challenges. What makes you so open, I guess, is it, is it going back to that point where you were dead you know, and I hate to use that as such a terror, I guess that sounds terrible, but I mean, that's a, the fact of the matter. Is it because now you're kind of, you're living with a, even a, a clearer purpose where you're just saying, Hey, I'm here to help you. I'm going to tell you about my struggles with life on the, on the kind of open up my life. So hopefully maybe I resonate with you and I can help you. I can help lift up others or, or where does this transparency and this openness, is it just part of this new Gary or was this always Gary? Um, this, this was always the idea that Gary had, but was too scared to do, um, you know, living a, an open, honest, out there, vulnerable life is, is pretty tricky. You know, there's, it comes with some fears that you're going to be shunned or unfriended or judged or, or any of those things. But, you know, I, I just recently watched a documentary on Lance Armstrong. And, and I share this often, but, you know, he had cancer early on years ago. And, you know, in this, uh, in this documentary, it was an ESPN documentary. He, he had this one line, it was like a four part series, but he had this one line that said, you know, if you're given a second chance at life, make sure you make it better than the first. And I think about that line quite often. Um, and then I, I couple that with, you know, going through something like this, you do really get a different perspective on life, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm literally on round two right now 
you know, I was gone for seven and a half minutes and uh, I'm back. And, you know, by the grace of God, I, I don't have any outside of, I don't have hands or legs. I, I don't have any, you know, defects, you know, I still have my brain activity. I'm still, my heart is strong again, my lungs, my kidneys, everything. Like <clears throat> it's, it's just amazing. So, you know, when I think through all of that and I have this different perspective on life and then I think about the old me and, and the me that had lived for, for so long in, in hiding, you know, I think it's, I think we're wired to kind of hide a little bit of things that we're ashamed of, of things that we're embarrassed of, of thoughts that we have, of, of things that we've read or looked at. And, and I have found that, that, that sin and, and that struggle in our life, like it finds its power in us when we hide it. And I've never fully understood that. I, I, I would always preach that concept, but I've never genuinely fully understood what that looked like until this happened to me. And I just started not caring about what other people thought of me. And, and what I've found is that while I'm sharing all of this stuff about my life that I've gone through, that I've lived through, all I'm hearing from people is people saying me too, not people saying, how dare you? It's people finally getting the courage and being brave enough to say me too, that happened to me, or, or I did that, or, or I looked at that, or I read that, or I went there. And, and it's giving the people the courage to finally say it. And if they're no longer hiding it, then it no longer has its power on you. So that is my goal is just to convince people that, that even on your very worst day, when you feel like everything is going wrong, Christ is still crazy about you and he's still madly in love with you no matter what you've done. But if you don't share that with somebody, then you're just letting that, that stronghold have a victory on you. And that just wasn't a stance that I was willing to take. So so I'm, I'm, I want to lead the charge in this, you know, nothing hidden lifestyle. And, and the more we can put ourselves out there, I'm, I'm firsthand, you know, testimony that I'm loved more because people know my struggles. I'm not judged more for it. And, uh, you know, I, if I can get people to understand that, if I can get people to wrap their mind around that and be brave and risk it and put themselves out there. I just want to lead that by example. So I started this little podcast that I do three to five minutes a week. Um, and it's called no more bad days. And I'm just sharing my struggles, my openness one at a time. Uh, I think there's one that's going to hit today. Um, I guess I can't say that. I don't know when this is going to be posted. <laughs> It'll last be, uh, time. Yeah. Was, last time. <laughs> last time. It was, there was a day that there was a video and it was posted. <laughs> so what is, so yeah. So no more bad days. I saw that. I know you're, you're, Tell us, tell, tell a little bit more about that. I'm, I'm very, no more bad days. Yeah. Can you explain the, I mean, yep. it seems to be pretty obvious to the extent what you're trying to accomplish, but can not assuming anything here. Can you just kind of say what the podcast is about and what you're trying to do there? Yep. Yeah. So the no more bad days podcast, and, and I literally have a tattooed on my arm. If I can, well, maybe you can say it. So I have a tattooed on my arm. Uh, the day that I died. Um, January 1st, 2020, I have the date on my arm and right underneath that, it says no more bad days. And you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm choosing joy every second of every day. You know, like I had mentioned when, when I feel like everything's hitting the fan, when I feel like it's my very worst day ever, I'm just trying to choose joy. I'm, I'm making that my proclamation, no more bad days, no more. Uh, like I'm done with that. So, so I started this podcast to, to put out my sins and my struggles out there in hopes that people can have that me too moment 
and and not have a bad day anymore that day you know and, and to be able to be like man i'm either not alone or i have the courage to finally say it or you know whatever it may be you know people are linking arms and, and doing life together and if we can figure that out we'll, we'll have no more bad days like we'll have it'll be crappy stuff bad situations bad circumstances but at the end of the day like and I just want to choose joy and I want to, I want to take the stance that there's no more bad days ahead of me. And, and I'm going to fight for that. Yeah, man. What a blessing. Cause like you said, you had a fork in the road with your circumstances where you could do what you're doing now, or you could obviously veered one way. And like you said, been depressed and, you know, addicted to opiates or, or whatever, right. A lot of choices that could have gone, but now instead you're opening up this platform. And like, for me, it's, motivating to hear because we all have issues we all have challenges right whether it's physical mental it's life right in the game of life and and so i think it is very powerful now that uh you're willing to be open with others about your struggles and it helps people like me and hopefully our audience to realize like hey it's and i try to be open right and and, and as i'm a leader of our company and oversee 150 people but i need to be vulnerable and show them whether i'm over 150 people, or I have no people underneath me. That doesn't define who I am as an individual. Um, that's just my job, right? My career, but I'm here to help people. So if I can even share my story. So I've been trying to be a little bit different CEO out in the world, because it's like, I feel like even in my world as a leader, it's, it's oftentimes looked negatively. If I'm a leader of a company and I'm vulnerable and I'm sharing things that are considered weaknesses, that makes me um, not the best leader. Um, and I, and I think that stigma needs to change and, and people like yourself have inspired me to be more vocal about that. And I think we need more folks that, um, you know, like yourself that are really motivating and pushing me to think differently, rethink, you know, being open, it's okay to be open and vulnerable no matter what position you are in the world. So, um, yeah, I think the say, so I, it's, it's so good, man. So good. It's, it's, it's uh so what's i always like to know what's next in, in people's journeys i know you kind of mentioned a lot of the things you're doing is there anything else out there that we can share that people as they're following your your uh path here that you're you're going to be doing i it, uh, there's so much stuff on the horizon that i i can't even fully wrap my mind around anywhere from continuing traveling to speak <clears throat> to you know the the podcast youtube presence uh, to there, there's a book deal coming out. There's a animated television show coming out. Like it, it, everything just keeps coming and happening. So I don't know. Watch GaryMiracle.com. That'll tell you every day. Check it out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So definitely everyone follow. So the last question, Gary, I always ask, and before you answer mm -hmm. this, you got to help me make it happen. <laughs> you could go with that. Yes. Okay, good. All right. All right. I'm just trying to figure <laughs> out if we built the report. It's not that bad. We always say it's okay. always an interesting, uh, yeah, I always kind of put, well, what? I don't know. I'm not uh, putting, put faith I'm in sorry. me, put faith in me. I'm going to take care of you here. So the question is, and this is how we got to you, um, is if you could recommend one person to come on to the underdog podcast, who would it be and why? Mm. So I have a friend whose name is Mark Stewart. Um, he was the lead singer of a Christian band as well back in the day and, uh, was forced to stop 
uh, singing because he was losing his voice. The doctors actually told him if he did one more rock show, he would be mute the rest of his life. Um, so he had to stop doing what he felt like he was called to do and what he loved to do. Uh, and he, he went through a tough time in his life through that. And then he found his true purpose um, that he didn't really know he had in, in um, taking care of orphans in Haiti. Um, and he actually just wrote a book that it's called losing my voice to find it. Uh, it's a really cool, really cool book, really cool story. He's a super cool guy. If you have him on, he's real hard to understand because his voice is super shot and we always make fun of him for it. We always try to talk like him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that would be my recommendation. I don't know if you would kill me or not for putting him out there like that. No, no, it's great. And it's like I said, how we got to you and, really appreciate the uh the recommendation from mark stewart and we can look into it but it's um you know our whole thing is once again how do we find uh folks out there that are impacting the world like yourself leaving a positive impact in sharing your story to inspire others our our goal is gary is and i believe you did a lot more than just one person but if one person can listen to gary miracle on this podcast when it's released and be impacted in a positive way. That's my why in doing this, um, platform. And, uh, I believe you just did that and more. Um, so really, really appreciate all of the knowledge nuggets as I call them and, in sharing your journey, being vulnerable and inspiring us to be open, uh, men and women in the world and, uh, you know, continue on say, I won't, I love that man. I, I freaking love that. Come on, come on, let's just do this thing. And, you know, um, man, it's it's just keep rocking it, brother. And uh, really, really appreciate your time. And uh, the best is ahead for you, for sure. All right, on. Thanks so much for the opportunity. It's been great. All right. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps. Leave a five-star rating and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.